Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to the second chapter of the book of Titus. Titus is in uh, the, the, the um, mid-back section of the New Testament, uh, right behind Timothy. Okay, and right before Philemon, like anybody could ever find Philemon, it's such a small little one chapter uh, thing. But we're going to also have this on our overhead tonight. If you would like to just uh, read along or look at it uh, on your phone or in your notes. And tonight out of Titus chapter 2, we're going to be talking about proper, proper doctrine. Proper doctrine. Well, we'll find out a little more about that in a moment. You know, the practical interpretation of some of these religious words, you know, there's a literal interpretation, there's a practical interpretation, both of which God intends us to embrace. Okay, the, the, the practical interpretation of this word doctrine is best understood as an established set of teachings. Okay, it means teachings basically. But more than just, you know, I mean, anything then therefore would qualify as doctrine, okay? But when the Bible talks about doctrine, it's talking about a specific set of instructions that God left to the church, an established set of teachings. These teachings are given to us by God, and they are aimed uh, at guiding us, guarding us, and governing us as we walk in this life to guide, to guard, to govern. These are the things that, that doctrines are, 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 are aimed at. And um, the established doctrine of the church is important. It always has been important. It's important to keep us on track. It's important to keep the church on track in a changing world. You see, the, the world is changing. It's changing all around us. It always has been. I mean, it's always changed. It, it, it just does. Uh, and it's ever evolving and it's sometimes it goes forward. Sometimes it goes back. Sometimes it resets But God's teachings are aimed at at keeping uh, the church on target with what we're called to do and not called to do Sometimes issues arise. I can remember in the in the 60s hearing about how bad communism was and it was bad Okay, I mean I was a part of the Cold War force, you know, I, I was in the balance of power briefings, you know in NATO I was a, a, a bodyguard. I was the, the, the primary personal security guard for the vice commander of NATO and for U.S. and foreign dignitaries. I was a bodyguard for a, for a few years. And uh, there in, in, throughout Europe, I, I, I had to go to a lot of um, balance of power meetings. And in these balance of power meetings, it was important to realize that the world was changing. But our mission was the same, to keep America strong, to keep America protected. You know, to keep America on track. Well, that's the way it is for the church. The established doctrine of the church is here to help keep us on track. I can remember communism was an enemy, not only of our state, but it was an enemy of the church. I don't know how many of you remember this, but communism back in the, um, back in the 60s, uh, it was preached against from the pulpit. You know, I mean, it was a big deal in our world. Uh, you know, uh, do y'all remember 
President John Kennedy and, you know, the, the, the Cuban Missile Crisis? And maybe you don't, but some of you do. I mean, you know, I was in school and we were having, you know, uh, uh, drills. Every, you know, we, we would practice, you know, covering and covering our heads and, you know, putting our, our knees up under our chest and putting our hands over us. And we would have to be out in hallways and it would just, you know, alarms would go off. And we would, I mean, I didn't know what was the real thing, whether we were really being bombed, whether missiles and, you know, uh, you know, nuclear warheads were headed our way or not. And we were practicing and it was such a big deal in our nation. I mean, bomb shelters were being established. And, uh, you know, some of you, uh, of course, weren't around in the sixties, but that's what was happening. It was, I mean, you know, the Bay of Pigs fiasco, all of those things were, that was real. It was really real. And so much so it was, it was on the radar and it made people afraid. Therefore, many pastors began to preach against communism. You know, I know preachers that have done whole series against things where if those things cease to exist, it still wouldn't make anybody go to heaven. We're not here to fight communism. I mean, okay, okay, I don't, I don't agree with the philosophy, but that still shouldn't be the main point of my message. You know? There are a lot of things that we could picket, a lot of things that we could march against. There are a lot of causes that, 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 that cover the radar of any generation. But we can ill afford to let those causes make us zero in on that's what the church is here for. The church is here to do this. The church is here to stop this. The church is here. Well, no, we are here for one reason, according to the doctrines of Christ. And that is to lift up Jesus Christ and salvation, to lift up his name and Jesus. If he be lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. We are here to lift up Christ and, and not, you know, point out sin, but to lift up a righteousness. We need to make sure that we stay on target because every generation has its blips on the radar. Every generation has its something that is going on that, 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 you're, that, that, that you know, the pulpit is, 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 is really finds it hard to not weigh in on political situations or, or, or you know, uh, what, uh, oh, I'm sorry, but we have a doctrine to uphold. And this established set of, of teachings is given to the church in this changing world to be an unchanging standard for us so that we aren't drawn outside of our doctrine by issues so that we can rise above those outside influences and we can stand above the influence of a changing world there are a lot of things that we do not have to speak to unless they all of a sudden become a part of the church. You see, time has a way of changing people, but time does not change the truth. The Bible is a standard of truth and sound doctrines based on the word of God are necessary to live a life that pleases God, that they just are, and a life that endures all seasons and survives all situations. God intends for us to survive every situation. God intends for us to thrive even under persecution. God intends for us to, to, to do well when, uh, when, when the world is not because there is a victory on the inside of us that should bring us to victory over things, but first we need to have victory in us. 
We need to embrace a truth. And the truth, the sound doctrines based on God's words are, are necessary for us to endure every season of life. Every season brings a new change. You see, instead of the Bible being some old book that is out of tune, instead of the Bible being out of tune with the world, I submit to you that it's the world that's out of tune with the Bible. Okay? The world gets out of tune. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, God that was out of tune with the world in Noah's day. It was the world that was out of tune with God. And God pushes certain reset buttons. And one day he'll push a big reset button. Why? Because he wants to rule and govern and reign in a world that's in tune with him. And he refuses to get in tune with the world. Truth is a servant. Truth is not a hard master. Truth is a servant. Many times people look at truth as though it's something that's going to hurt me. It's something that's going to somehow inhibit me. It's something that's going to somehow keep me down. But no, truth is going to set you free. Truth is, truth is a servant. It's, it's, it's not a master. You are the master of whether or not you will embrace the truth in this life or not. But truth wants to be a servant. Truth is what will help us, not hurt us. The purpose of truth is to reveal your highest path of life. You may not be able to achieve that perfection. But we are called by, by, by the scriptures and by doctrine to press toward the mark of the high calling of God. That, that, that we should not just accept some mediocre, you know, passing through life with some substandard existence. But truth is designed to reveal a high, the highest path of life. If we can practice truth and as great as we can practice truth, it benefits us, it serves us. It is truth that we serve that sets us free. The Bible says that uh, in, in John the eighth chapter that if you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you continue in my word, it's something that, that, that is intended to be practiced. Doctrine is to be practiced. And as we continue and as we yield to a truth from God's Word, we find that it serves us well. Sound doctrines are teachings that are aimed at revealing and preserving the truth. They are like lights that are shining on the best path for our life. Truth. The established teachings, doctrines of the Word of God, not doctrines of men. There's a distinct difference made that some people, the Bible says, serve the doctrines of men instead of the doctrines of Christ. Okay? But men's doctrines change with every season, with, for every reason. People can embrace uh, uh, personal truths that may not rise to the place of truth. They may be personal opinions. And at times, I think some people have mistaken their opinion for truth. But we can't, you know, we can't serve the truth falling prey to personal opinions, circumstances, situations, seasons, reasons. That's why... The word of God is established. You see, that's what David said. Thy word, 
Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is the light that shines on my best path. That's what he said in Psalms 119. Well, you know, God is wise. A lot of people don't imagine how wise he is, but he's wise. I mean, every time we disobey him, we're calling him stupid. You really don't know the best. I really do. Okay, uh, I mean, we wouldn't say that out loud. But Jesus said that's basically what we're doing. But God is wise and his love is never failing. He's not going to stop loving you because you disobey him. He's not going to stop loving you because you have a different opinion. He is far above that. Okay, He's not like me and you. Okay. Uh, he's trying to help here. It doesn't mean that he's going to necessarily agree with our reasons for staying outside of the doctrines of the church or the doctrines of his word or the doctrines of truth. But he's not going to stop loving us. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. And, uh, you know, he could have just kept the truth to himself and judged us anyway. Let me say that one more time. He could have just kept the truth to himself and judged us anyway. Because everyone has a conviction of right and wrong. And we suppress that to go outside of it because it's written in our heart and in our mind. He could have just judged us and never told us and just judged us anyway. But he didn't. He wanted to do everything he could to give us his word. He's so gracious to us, so loving, so kind, so caring. He understands that truth will be our servant if we will embrace it. And, and then not only did God give us his word, God called, qualified, and commissioned servants such as myself to stand in front of all who would listen. Here, by, by you know, broadcast, you know, anyone who would listen by, by, by written notes, God called, qualified, and commissioned servants to minister the word so that people could be instructed and encouraged to follow sound doctrine. These doctrines are written and they are uh, preserved in the Holy Bible. Okay? So, here's what I've said so far. Sound Bible doctrines, they do these three things. They guide us, our families, and our church. They guard us, our families, and our church. And they govern us, our families, and our church. These are the things that doctrines do. Okay? They guide, they guard, and they govern. When the Apostle Paul left Titus on the island of Crete in about A.D. 63-64, according to my best guess, the Apostle Paul instructed Titus, I'm leaving you here so that you can help the church set things in order and so that you can appoint spiritual leadership, qualified men and women of God who will be able to teach sound doctrine to the church so that people can hear the word. They will have something that will guide them in life, something that will guard them and something that will govern them. Because the world is changing and the church needs to know what the church is supposed to do. So set things in order, things that are lacking, and appoint leaders in every city. Establish order, he said. 
Well, after a few months, as we have talked about in the last two or three weeks, the Apostle Paul sat down in Greece and wrote letters, one to Timothy, we have it as 1 Timothy, and one to Titus. And he's going to go back over what he has instructed Titus and Timothy to do. Timothy was in Ephesus, Titus was on the Isle of Crete. And when we read the book of Titus, as we will do tonight, reading chapter 2, and I'll, I'll provide some commentary as we read through the verses, we need to understand that what Paul is doing is he's encouraging Titus to establish some sound doctrine in the church. And then he gives them a few examples of the, of, of the qualifications of leaders that he's looking for and what they should do, what, what the, the, the men leaders should do, what the women leaders should do, what the older leaders should do, what the younger leaders should do. And he's, and, and, and he's putting some, some qualifications. But his impetus is, is that you would set people in the church who would be able to teach others sound doctrine, the truth, so that the way of the church could be preserved because seasons are going to change and people's reasons are going to change, but God is not going to change. God does not want to change with seasons. God does not want to change with reasons. God wants truth to become our servant, okay? And he does not necessarily want us to fall prey to whatever blip shows up on the radar and begin to follow some mantra of the day. So we read in Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, uh, reading from the New King James Version. The Apostle Paul said, but as for you, Titus, this is what I want you to do, Titus. Okay, I'm reminding you. Now, he had just told him and left him there at Crete. He sailed on went through Turkey and went over into Greece. And now a few months later, he's, in, he's, he's writing back to Titus with a letter and saying, now these are the things I want you to do. I want you to stay on target, Titus, okay? And as for you, Titus, I want you to speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. I want you to make sure that you stay on target. Speak the things... While you're going around to all the churches in those, you know, hundred cities that, that Crete boasted about in that day, while you're going a, a, around to the different groups of believers in each city, establishing the churches and appointing leadership, I want you to make sure that you speak the things which are proper, which are right for solid, sound, established teachings of the church. I want you to teach the established set of instructions that God has left for the church. Then the apostle Paul begins to, to enunciate these. One of the sound doctrines is that, that the older men be sober. You know what that word sober means? Sober. This particular one means not drunk. Now, in a moment, we'll encounter another word, sober, that, does, that, that, that means something different, okay? But this particular Greek word here means not drunk. Listen, when you're looking for leaders in the church and you're looking to put people in place that can help other people with sound doctrine, well, listen, I want you to make sure that in the church, the teaching, the solid teaching of the church 
from that point and forever, God's not going to change on this, is that the church leadership should not get drunk. Okay? Hey. So, if you want to be a church leader, don't get drunk. That's sound doctrine. Okay? Now, by the way, he's not saying don't drink. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you what he said. He just said don't get drunk. That's what he meant. And we can go to Timothy and find out about that. And in a minute, in a minute we'll hear some more about it. Okay? So this is not like, you know, taking up a cause during Prohibition and the church became teetotalers. And there was a cross put on you. If you had anything at all, you'd be put in jail. And you, I mean, the church began to preach Prohibition. You know, but you know, Prohibition is not in the Bible. Getting drunk is in there a number of times. Okay, don't shoot me down. If you happen to be of a different persuasion, that's your opinion. This is church doctrine. They are different. Church doctrine is established by Paul. You have an opinion. Now, if you happen to be the kind of person that has some type of allergy or some type of alcoholism, DNA, you know, um, uh, you know uh, predisposed to not be able to take a drink or else you go all the way to the end of that thing, then, then the remedy for you not getting drunk is don't ever drink a drop. For the rest of you, it's quit after one, <laughs> okay? I don't know. Everybody I ever stopped that was drunk whenever I was a policeman only had two. I mean, I, well, I've only had two. It's, it's a joke in AA. You go to AA, everybody says, yeah, I only had two beers. You know, every, I mean, I, I never stopped a person that was drunk on, and, 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 you know, couldn't walk a straight line. I'd say, okay, how much did you drink? Well, I only had two beers. That's, that was a joke. I know we, we would say it before they would sometime. I know you only had two beers, but could you walk that line? Okay. There is a church doctrine, church leaders, okay? You might say, well, I really don't want to be a leader then. Well, hey, that's okay. But we're looking for church leaders that aren't drunkards. And let me just throw drug addicts in there while I'm at it, okay? <laughs> okay? You do yourself some harm leading your family if you're drunk. <laughs> Please stay off the highway. Okay? And my front yard. And probably the phone and the computer both. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and the dance floor. Okay, I mean, gosh, I mean, you know, I don't know what you do. Go home and lock yourself up, you know, I don't know. But the older men, listen, you older men, you should be sober. You should be reverent. Listen, by the time you get older, you ought to be reverent. You ought to have just a little bit of godly fear on the inside of you, a little bit of respect. By the time you're older, you shouldn't be, you know, cocky and mouthy, loose-tongued, irreverent. By the time you get older, men, you shouldn't be somebody that's, you know, going around, you know, without respect for others in authority and without respect for God. I don't think I can get through all these if I just stop at every one of them, but some of them are pretty good. Temperate. Temperate. That doesn't mean don't drink, by the way. It's the same Greek word that we'll see here down here in a moment. Uh, um, you know, not slanderers. That's the same Greek word. Isn't that interesting? Temperate. It means, uh, you know, moderate. It means to have self-control is literally what it means. Okay? By the time you get older, if you're a leader in the church, listen, old man, you ought to be mimicking. You ought to be... Uh, sharing. You ought to be teaching other people doctrine, doc, doctrine. You ought to be imitating what it is to be a leader in the church. And that means you ought to exercise a little self-control. 
Okay? Sound in faith. Sure. We want our leaders to be established in the faith. In love. Yes. And in patience. Sure. Okay? Now let's get to the older women. Okay? Listen to me, you old women. Likewise. Okay? <laughs> Likewise, now listen, let me say something to the older women here. If you expect to be in leadership in the church, well, what is leadership in the church? Leadership is influence. Okay, if you have influence, and you probably do, then you need to pay some attention, okay? You need to be reverent in behavior. You need to understand that, that by the time that you get older, ladies, you need to be at least exhibiting some reverence in your behavior. Okay? Not slanderers. Okay? You shouldn't be saying things about people. Okay? I'll throw that word gossip in there. You shouldn't be gossiping and slandering other people. Now, by, listen, ladies, by the time you get your age, you ought to have had that gossip thing whooped. Get your tongue in control. You're influencing other people. You're, other people are listening to you. Stop that. Stop talking bad about other people. Oh, that's good stuff. I've always wanted to talk like that to women. <laughs> huh? It's right there, yeah. The Apostle Paul's dead. We can't do anything to him. Don't chunk rocks at me. Look at this. Not given to much wine. That means you, you ladies get to drink a little more than the men do. Not given to much wine. You know what that means? Not given to much wine. <laughs> yeah. not get, it didn't say teetotaling. I mean, I, I didn't write this. This is him not giving. Listen, ladies, don't be given to drinking a whole lot. Okay. I understand that not all churches have this doctrine, but the Bible does. Sound doctrine. Straight from the Apostle Paul. Teachers of good things. You ought to be leaving a whole trail behind you of good things. That people are learning good things from you. And you know the difference between leaving something good behind you and teaching people some bad things. You ought to be teaching people good things. Teach, and, and, and these older women as well, continues in verse 4, he had more to say to the older women than the older men, evidently, okay? Uh, that they admonish the young women, that, 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 that they teach the young women, that, that, that not just teach, but this, that, that this concept means that you're basically you know, on their case about it, okay? That you're in their face about it, you're admonishing them, you're, 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 you're doing what it takes to make an impact on the young ladies in our church to love their husbands. Boy, I like that one. <laughs> to love their children. My goodness, next verse, he's still going to be talking to old women. All you old ladies look like me. You love me, okay? I'm, you know, please don't be mad at me at this. It's just what he's saying. He's saying, oh my goodness, he's going to say something on it, but it's real controversial. Uh, but it's doctrine, and it's what the church should be lovingly sharing is truth that is meant to serve us. Uh, to be discreet, you know, modest, okay? I won't elaborate. Chaste, that means pure. Homemakers, that the church needs to teach, that, that the older ladies in the church need to teach the younger ladies that their primary responsibility 
is to make the home environment a pleasant and peaceful place to be. It's a primary responsibility. It doesn't mean that you can't work. It just means that God's given you a responsibility for the home as he has given a man the primary responsibility for provision. That's the word of God. We shouldn't shrink back from that. It is the living, loving, caring, serving truth and the doctrine of the church that we all have primary responsibilities. And here, the Apostle Paul is clearly saying, listen, Titus, while you're going around setting doctrine in the church, you need to make sure that the older men are being the example that the younger men need to follow and that the older women are the example that younger women need to follow. And it's very important. He will say it to Timothy. He will, he will say it uh, uh, to Corinth that it's important that men pay attention to what God has given them as a primary responsibility to provide, protect, and defend the family, the community, the church. It doesn't mean that women can't go to war, but it does mean that there are some general and primary responsibilities. And the primary responsibility for creating a home environment that actually makes a home a home instead of just a house, instead of just a place where you hang your hat, is the responsibility of these young women who are encouraged to love their husbands and also to make sure that they are discreet and chaste and that they love their children. Teach them to be good and obedient to their own husbands. That means to follow the lead of their husbands. That is still a Bible doctrine. Changing times don't change the Bible. Okay? The Bible is not out of tune with the world. The world is out of tune with the Bible. The Bible is not out of step with the world. The world is out of step with the Bible. It doesn't relegate a woman to a second-class citizenship. It establishes order not only in the family but in the church. Anytime God put more than one person together on any endeavor, he always established some order. Here he's sending Titus throughout the island of Crete to establish order and to appoint leadership, recognizable leadership. Now, if you have a different opinion, that's okay. But just don't be upset at the church that we teach the Bible doctrine because we have to teach the things proper to establish sound doctrine in the church so that the church does not change with changing times. So the church does not change the word of God to fit the seasons or the reasons of mankind, but so that we hold truth up as a servant that will help us and reveal to us the highest path of life, the best path for us to walk. That the word of God, he said, do this so that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So that the word of God is not you know, spoken evil of because we as a church are teaching something else. Because if we begin to teach something that's not a sound doctrine, let me tell you what will happen to the world. If we begin to teach trends, if we begin to teach opinions, if we begin to teach the current mantra of the world, the world will change in the next decade. And everything that we have taught people to do will be obsolete and out of date. And on top of that, it won't work. Yeah. Only the truth will set you free. Yeah, that's right. okay. 
good ideas won't. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that I have read an article that completely reversed what was written about that same medicine 10 years ago. The world changes, but I have never and will never read something that has any authority to change one word of this Bible. This is the doctrines of Christ. These are sound. They serve every generation the truth. In every season, in every situation. Not only to help us to endure, but also to thrive in life. It's important that we understand that the word of God will be maligned and will be blasphemed if we dare to begin to teach something less than the truth as God's word. We cannot afford to teach something less than God's word for truth. That doesn't make us mean. It doesn't make us close-minded. It doesn't make us hateful. It doesn't make us judgmental. It doesn't make us critical. If there's any elements of that in your life, you're wrong because that's not sound doctrine. Sound doctrine says you don't judge. Sound doctrine says that you are without excuse, whoever you are, that says that, that, that someone else is, is, is not right with God. You have to let them stand before God for themselves. But you get that you know, beam out of your own eye. I mean, that's sound doctrine. Okay? And we have to adhere to, every, to all of it. God doesn't tell us the truth so we have power to criticize other people. God doesn't share with us the truth so that we can be judgmental or so that we can, you know, uh, somehow imagine ourselves to be better or ourselves to be worse. He teaches us truth to reveal to us the highest opportunity of our life. And he will, I am certain, he will love you no matter what you do. But he will not be happy with you. He will not be pleased with you. And if that is important to you, then you, know, you may not change in some of your opinions. You may never change in how you feel. But how you feel and your opinions still do not give you a license to sin. You can keep feeling the same way. And maybe there's nothing you can do about that. You can keep you know, imagining, but... When you put your hands to sin, knowingly and willingly, you take your side, your, your, yourself outside of that willingness and that desire to please God. Now, when you fall, he says, you know, if you fall, he said, listen, I will lift you up. You know, call out unto me. You know, ask me for forgiveness. I, I, I don't hold it against you. I'll pick you up and you repent and we'll keep on walking together. But he said, watch and pray. Don't willfully and joyfully and purposefully just enter into the temptations of life. But when you fall into temptations, count it all joy. Knowing that you will come out of this better if you'll turn it over to me and stand up and walk out of it. And I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to cleanse you. But there's very little I can do for the person that just revolves in repetitive sin after sin after sin. When you're in a cycle, you'll finally separate yourself from blessings and joy and peace. And, and he says, I just don't want the church teaching you that that's okay. Because it's not. Now you do what you will with God's word. The church should not become a critical institution. 
But we should be a light. We should be truth. And we should not have to apologize for that. So that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Verse 6, likewise, he said, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. You know, tell the young men to to get a little bit of wisdom under their belt. Think, think straight. Think, you know, uh, you know, don't, don't just think, you know, like, like, like a young man thinks, come on, be sober minded, get a little wisdom under your belt. Okay. Teach the young men to be sober minded in all things, showing yourself in all things, looking to yourself first, not just teaching other people that, you know, don't get drunk, but in all things to yourself, be a pattern of good works in doctrine showing integrity, showing reverence, and showing incorruptibility. Listen, Titus, while you're going around doing these things and while you're teaching the older men and the older women how they should behave, make sure that they first look to themselves. Titus, look to yourself first and make sure that you are not belying the things that you're teaching so that you also are are, are showing them the doctrine of your life, the manner of your life, with all integrity, with reverence, and also with incorruptibility. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. Make sure that you aren't going to be, you know, bitten by, by, by saying don't, and then you did. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent, because you will run into opponents of the truth. But the opponents of the truth should end up being ashamed because in reality, they really have nothing evil to say of you. Oh, they may have opinions, they may have arguments, and they may have accusations, but there's no substance. There's just no substance there. He goes on, sound doctrine of the church. Exhort bond servants. These are people who have voluntarily submitted, voluntarily enslaved, voluntarily indentured, voluntarily signed on to give their life to some individual or some, some cause or some purpose. Encourage them basically to be obedient to their own masters. To be well-pleasing in all things, not back-talking people that they have committed to be submitted to or that they find themselves in submission to. When I was a kid, you don't hear much about back-talking anymore. But boy, when I was a kid, I was told all the time, don't be back-talking me. You know? In fact, one of the, one of the, one of the more often things I heard almost probably every day because of my temperament and because I was a mouthy little kid was, uh, don't dispute your elders. Don't, anybody older than me, oh, my mom would twist my ear. She'd pull my hair if I, if I back-talked anybody that was an adult. Don't dispute your elders. I mean, how many times, they, you know, we need to learn that back-talking evidently is something that does not have its place in some relationships, in submitted relationships. This is good stuff, huh? Not pilfering. But showing all good fidelity. I mean, just, you know, just be honest. You know, don't, don't be taking stuff that's, or, or assuming stuff or, 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 or you know, uh, usurping authority or place. 
that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior in all things. So that, so that we can actually be an ornament to God. We can be the one that God says, look, you know, there's somebody doing it right. Because many times people look around to see if there's anybody doing it right. You remember Paul and Silas, they were in jail. The Bible says the prisoners were listening because they knew that a couple of Christians, a couple of believers in Christ had just been put into the deep, dark dungeon and they had been, you know, handcuffed and they had been in stocks. And, and what are they going to do now? They have preached that Jesus is the Christ and that, 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 he, that he's a savior. Now what are they going to do? The Bible says the prisoners were listening. And in the midnight hour, Paul and Silas began to pray and sing praises unto God. And, and, and the Bible says not only were their chains released, but all the prison doors were opened and all the chains fell off and the prisoners my goodness they saw what I mean all of a sudden they realized now there's a born-again believer there's a Christian they are adorning the doctrine they teach they are an example they are an ornament to God whenever you please God whenever you live a life pleasing to God above your own opinion above your own comfort Whenever you do what pleases God and follow the doctrine of the church you are adorning you're an ornament in the hands of God, adorning the doctrine of God, our Savior in all things. Well, let's just read the rest of this real quick, okay? Verse number 11. The reason why we, we're doing this, Titus, the reason why I left you to do that there, Titus, the reason why all this is so important is because the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. That doesn't mean not drunk. That means uh, wise. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, whatever age we're in. And he knows that every present age has a present trouble and there's a present truth. That's what he will later say. But we need to make sure that in any age we are living, that we are living wisely, soberly, righteously, that we're living right and that we are living godly, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. We need to live every day as though Jesus is coming. We need to live every day pleasing to him because the salvation that God has offered us has appeared to all men and this is why we want to live right because at any day he could come he could come for us or come for everyone and we need to look for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed you see it's a servant truth is a servant he sent Jesus to redeem us from our lawlessness from our inability to please him. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. We ought to want to do this. We ought to want, oh my goodness, when I step from this life to the next, I, I, I will have hoped that I please God, that I look at him when I meet him, he's got a smile on his face. And he said, yeah. You know, yeah, I purified you. You are my own special. You were zealous for my things. You did what you did for me. Verse 15, the last verse of that chapter says, speak these things. So I've spoken them. Exhort, I have encouraged. And rebuke, stop sinning. There, there's the rebuke. 
with all authority. <laughs> you know, it, rebuke is a part of our Christian responsibility. When we have influence in the lives of others, especially those who, who we have a bridge of relationship with strong enough, then a good sturdy don't do that anymore. You know, during the last three weeks, I've had an opportunity to meet with, with, with a, a, a person who's having some difficulties staying out of sin. And so, you know what I did? I decided I was going to look at them and slap my fist down on the table and, and get loud and say, stop that right now. Do you understand me? Don't you do that anymore. Now, what gives me that authority? Well, the Word of God and the relationship I have. I've spent years. I've spent over a decade building a relationship. And so I rebuked them and said, don't do that. You understand me? Don't do that anymore. Rebuke is a part of our responsibility. With all authority, let no one despise you, shut you down, stop you, tell you that, that, that you're just crazy whenever you're sharing the truth and the doctrines of Christ. Without judgmentalism, without criticism, you can say that's wrong, stop it, without the people being, you know, feeling like you hate them. Hello? That's some good stuff. Sound Bible doctrine, remember it, it guides us in our families and our church, it guards us, our families and our church, and it is designed to govern us, our families and our church.